Hi there. Thanks for joining us today because I'm really excited about what God has laid in my heart to share with our church family. I really believe it has the, the potential to transform our lives, our families, our church, our community. And so, um, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, someone was asking me what God's been saying to me. And in fact, I tell anyone if they ask me and they stopped long enough to listen, I really believe that our culture that we live in is like a fast flowing stream. I believe that uh, our busyness, our craziness, the, the stuff that's happening with the acceleration of technology, the expectations that we live in, the, the mortgages that we have, the size of them, the stresses we have at, uh, at work, at business, I really believe everyone in our society is hurtling along at an incredibly high speed. And I really believe that that can't be sustained. I think it's, it's getting faster and I really believe that something needs to happen. I think uh, at some stage, if it's not happening already, that parts of our culture will start to break apart and our families will continue to, to fall apart and ultimately our personal lives and we see it already our emotional health our spiritual health our relational it's already fraying and it's it's coming apart at the seams i really believe in this fast-flowing world that we live in within the stream there are rapids coming up uh, many of you have perhaps experienced those rapids but also in these streams there's snags that can't be seen and I believe those things have the capacity to really affect how we live our lives within our church and our family. And in the midst of this, I felt the Lord say to me, uh, Mark, it's time to swim to the edge of the river. Because at the edge of the river, the water slows, water flows slower. And I found that such an inspiring uh, invitation from the Lord to come aside to find a place instead of being caught up in the high-speed, crazy world that we live in for us to come aside into the edges of the water, into the shallows where there'll be a, a, a slower flowing stream. And in the midst of this clatter and the noise, I felt the Lord take me to Matthew chapter 11. And I'm sure you know this verse. Jesus said, he said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. You know, all my Christian life I've, I've pictured this yoke, growing up through Sunday school and through my teen years and adult life, I've always pictured this yoke as an agricultural term, where the two oxen are yoked together to, to pull a, a, um, to a hoe or whatever they dig up the dirt with, to, uh, to dig land, to remove rocks, to plant fields. And so uh, the yoke what is, is easy, the, the yoke fits them together. The heavy thing isn't the yoke, the heavy thing is the burden that they're pulling. And so certainly uh, the concept of being yoked to Jesus is a beautiful analogy where, yes, we are connected to Jesus. The, the, his strength is attached to our weakness. And I really believe there's something powerful in that space and that we have got access by yoking ourselves to Jesus, to all that he has for each one of us. But you know what? I believe there's another dimension to this yoke that I've never really spent a lot of time thinking about. And uh, this can really help us understand this passage a bit better. And I'll get to that in just a little bit. But you know what? As I listen to the words of Jesus, you know what? I find them so appealing. I find that invitation from Jesus something that my heart just says, Lord, I want to come to you. I want to find rest. I want to exchange my burden for your, for your rest. 
and your peace. And Jesus invites you and he invites me to come to him. But, but it's at this point we hit one of those snags in this river of culture that we live in. And the fact is that whilst Jesus is calling us, the problem is most of us, and I'm speaking about me, most of us don't have the time to come to Jesus. Yeah, we'll, we'll do our bits, we'll say our prayers, we'll, we'll try to do what little we can or as much as we can. But I think the thing that Jesus is calling us to do as a church is to come aside, you know, to, to slow down. Because I really believe that if we don't slow down and come to Jesus and exchange these burdens for his peace and his rest, I think there's some problems that are going to continue to occur in our lives and our families in this culture that we live in. And I don't know about you, but I can get stuck in this endless cycle. You know, but I really believe that it doesn't need to be like this. We can get stuck and the world's getting busier, our families are getting busier, our work. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm saying. But you know what, if we don't make some adjustments, if we don't swim to the side of the river, if we don't together come to a place where we can rest in Jesus, I think we're going to run into trouble down the track. And I really believe that our lives, our family and our community can be at risk by the, by the rapids and the pace of this world and the snags that we can't see. So as we start this new journey as a church, I really believe that together we can swim to the side of this fast flowing stream and find that rest, peace, contentment and joy. And perhaps as we do this together, we can learn how to truly come to Jesus. Perhaps we can learn how to be with Jesus and receive what we need from Him. Perhaps we can learn how to be the people He's called us to be. And together that we can lead others, those around us, our family, our friend, friends, our community, to the same place of peace and freedom that we found. How does that sound? You know, it's going to take us a while. It's probably going to challenge our mindsets. It's going to challenge how we've done things and how we do things. But I really think that is the life that Jesus is calling us to live. Eugene, Eugene Peterson sums it up in his translation of the message passage. He says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. What a great invitation. So, to start off, let's have a bit of a discussion on who Jesus is. You know, we probably know him best as the Son of God, especially as we approach Christmas time. It's the time we remember that God came as a child. He could be remembered as a prophet, perhaps the Jewish Messiah, a good man, a moral leader. But if you're a first century Jew and you were sitting in your synagogue and Jesus turned up, chances are you wouldn't have described him as any of those terms. You would have described him as a rabbi, which is a Jewish teacher, Hebrew teacher. The rabbis would travel from, time, from town to town teaching their interpretation and their application of Jewish scriptures. And what I discovered uh, in a fresh way is that this is also known as the rabbi's yoke. Now, different rabbis had different understandings and different interpretations of the Old Testament laws. They, they have their own thoughts on how far you can walk on the Sabbath or how much you should give to God, uh, how many times you should wash your hands, how long you should pray, and hundreds and hundreds of other interpretations of the minute details of the law that God had given the Jewish people. 
So a yoke was a rabbi's interpretation and application of scripture. It was the rabbi's way of telling his disciples how to live and how to please God. Now that adds a little bit more understanding to me to what Jesus said about his yoke being easy and his burden being light. It also shows us the role that Jesus wants to have with us as our teacher. Now, if we look at the Gospels, there are dozens of times where people come and talk to Jesus. And when people, most of those times when people refer to Jesus, they will refer to him as a rabbi or a teacher. And this term for Jesus has incredible implications for us. Not only does it define Jesus' role toward us, it helps us understand in a greater way how we should respond to Jesus as his followers or his disciples. Now the word disciple, the problem we have as soon as I say the word disciple or the concept of discipleship is that it likely means something different to you, something different to me, and more than likely something very different to what Jesus is talking about. Now discipleship wasn't invented by Jesus. He was not the first rabbi or the last rabbi to have disciples. This concept of discipleship doesn't even start in Israel in the first century. In fact, it came a few hundred years earlier in Greece. Plato, for example, was a disciple of Socrates. Later, the, uh, this concept of discipleship would spread from Greece across, to the across the Mediterranean and into ancient Israel. And so the concept of discipleship was part and parcel of the first century world. Now, if you were a, a, a Jewish family and you had some kids, for, for them, there's three levels of discipleship. Now, between the ages of six to 10, you would be learning in a, in a synagogue at school, you'd be learning the basic, basic reading and writing and maths. And in those ages, between six and 10, you would memorize the Torah. Now, the Torah was the first five books of the, of the Hebrew scriptures. And so can you imagine that any 10 year olds out there I'm looking at you. I want you to recite to me all the books from Genesis to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Can you do that? Go. So anyway, I'm not expecting you to do that. And so, but the ages of six to 10 was uh, primary school and they would learn to memorize the Torah. First level of discipleship. Next level of discipleship is between the ages of 10 to 14. Now, if you're a girl between the ages of 10 to 14, give me a wave. Okay, for you, if this was if you were a Jewish girl back in the first century, chances are somewhere between the ages of 10 to 14, do you know what would happen to you? You would be married. How exciting is that? Parents, don't freak out. It was what they did back then. And so the girls would typically get married and the boys would do further studies. And in those further studies, not only had they had to memorize the Torah, they had to pretty much memorize the rest of the Old Testament. Now, how would you go with that? I think I'd struggle big time with that. And so that's the first level, second level. And the third level is probably the hardest level. Boys that were age 14 and upwards, if they were doing really well with their studies, they would approach their rabbi, their teacher, and they would say, can I follow you? And the rabbi would then sit them down and grill them as much as he could on the fine points of the law and the, and the Torah. And it was more than just a pop quizzes quiz, it was more than just how many books are in the Pentateuch or how many books in the New Testament, or, well they didn't believe the New Testament, how many books are in the Old Testament. If you're a rabbi, you would be wanting to make sure that you're the person asking to be a disciple had what it takes. And if they thought that, if the rabbi thought that you were good enough or smart enough 
or um, um, committed enough or talented enough, the rabbi would likely turn to you and say something like this. They would say, why don't you come and follow me? I want you to become one of my disciples. Now, if you weren't the best of the best, if the rabbi didn't give you that invitation to follow him, chances are that you would be sent back home, back into your village to learn the family business. And so now let's just say, let's just say you were a Jewish child growing up and somehow you managed to get through level one, get through level two, and you didn't give up and you just say, for example, that you actually made it through the rabbi's quiz and through the interrogation and you made it through, you were then invited to be a disciple of the rabbi. An apprentice is probably a better word than a disciple. And so you had three goals as an apprentice of a rabbi. The first goal was that you would be with your rabbi. I'm not talking about just visiting him in his home from time to time. I am talking about being with your rabbi 24-7. You would literally follow your rabbi, your teacher, your leader around every single day. You would eat with him, you would drink with him, you would sleep by his side. That's your first goal as an apprentice to a rabbi. The second goal is that you would become like your rabbi. Your goal would be to be, your goal would be to be a, does that make sense? Your goal would be, your goal is to be a carbon copy of your rabbi, exactly who he was. You would literally follow him around and copy his every move. You would imitate the tone of his voice. You would imitate his mannerisms. You would imitate how he dresses, how he looks, because you wanted to be just like him. And the rabbi wanted you, wanted the same thing. He wanted to, you, you to be just like him also. So firstly, your goal was to be with your rabbi. Secondly, your goal was to become like your rabbi. And thirdly, your goal was to do what your rabbi did. You've been with him. You've learned from him. You've become like him. Then the rabbi wants you to go and do what he did. To, to become a leader, to become a rabbi yourself and, to, and for whatever he has just done for you, he would say, I want you to go and make more disciples. And so how does all that first century Jewish discipleship and rabbi stuff apply to us here in Newcastle or wherever you are listening to this message? What does that mean for you and I to follow Jesus? Well, I believe it means that we need to order our lives around those same three goals as the disciples did. Uh, first, or, first off, we are called to be with Jesus. We are called to be with Jesus. I think this is the most important goal for any of us to spend time with our rabbi. Now you're probably thinking, well, that was easy for Peter and James and John and all those early disciples because they had a physical Jesus. Well, what about us? Because Jesus isn't actually here. Well, you're right. According to scripture, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. But the short answer to this question is how do we be with Jesus is that it is through his Holy Spirit that we connect with him and be with him. It's learning how to live in a constant state of awareness of his very presence in us and his very presence around us. It is taking the time regularly to pause and experience Jesus through his Holy Spirit. And you know what? That takes time. That takes patience. It involves slowing down, it involves taking time out, and it involves enjoying, simply enjoying His presence. Not just on a Sunday, but throughout every day, throughout every week, and throughout the rest of your life. 
And so no matter where you are in your journey with God today, when you're listening to this message, I believe all of us can grow in this space. You know, I know that God is with me, but I've found that all the distractions and busyness of this world often position me somewhere else. You know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be Googling something or I'll be looking, a good deal, looking for a good deal on the internet or I'll be checking my texts or checking my emails. Uh, perhaps uh, you'd, maybe you, maybe you'd be playing on your phone, maybe you'd be watching the next Netflix show or the next Stan show or the next Disney Plus show or the next uh, Amazon Prime video show, looking for a new series. Perhaps you'd just be checking the news, checking sports. I don't know what it is, but I've found for me, there's times when I know that Jesus is with me, he's there, but I'm somewhere else. And so uh, what I've found is that more often than not, when it's like that, I'm actually missing his presence. I'm missing all that he has for me by simply being with him because I am somewhere else. And the pace of my life is too fast. The pace of my life is moving me on and I'm missing the pace of Jesus. So first off, we are called to be with Jesus. Secondly, we are called to become like Jesus. Now, back in the day, if you grew up in the church, we used a word called sanctification. Uh, another word that's used today, which is probably is a bit easier to understand, is spiritual formation. Now, becoming like Jesus takes time. It is a process. It takes time for our priorities to shift from our kingdom to his kingdom. It takes time for our character to be shaped into the character of Jesus. It takes time for our hearts to align with, with Jesus' heart. It takes time for our values to align with Jesus' values. The reality is we are all disciples of something. You may think you are unique, independent, and, and yes, you are, but ultimately we are the sum product of what we've allowed to enter into our hearts, into our minds. The things that we've allowed to influence our thinking, our attention, our, our giving, our choices, our priorities, all those things form us and shape us into something. So we are all disciples of something. The question I have is, is what are you becoming? If you were to fast forward your life one year, two years, five years, ten years, are you on track to becoming more like Jesus? I'm not talking about growing a beard or, or wearing a gown. I'm talking about becoming more like Jesus expressed in your unique personality, expressed in your unique gifting and your unique shape. And I, I want to be like that as I journey through life. And I'm sure you do too. But you know what? It's so hard in this busy, crazy world we live in. I find it really hard. And so in the next few weeks, I want to talk about some of these things. I want to talk about some of these practices <clears throat> that can help each one of us. Number one, to, to be with Jesus. Number two, to become like Jesus. And ultimately, number three, to do what Jesus did. You know, Jesus was different to every other rabbi. He did not select the best of the best. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, we read, One day as Jesus was walking along the water of the sea, of the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further along the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called to them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. You see, Jesus did the exact opposite. He called those that were already back in village life. He called those that were already running the family business, 
that those men were already rejected by a rabbi somewhere that said you're not the best you're not good enough to follow me see Peter James and John had already likely been with a rabbi talked with the rabbi and they and he would have likely have said you're not good enough you're not you're not smart enough you're not wise enough or intelligent enough you're not able enough or talented enough and so James and John and Peter I want you to you may as well go back to your family business and learn how to be fishermen and then Jesus offered them a yoke that was easy and a burden that was light you see this rabbi gave them a second chance this rabbi doesn't call the best of the best to be his disciples this rabbi rather calls those who are rejected by others and it's no wonder that they would drop everything to follow Jesus you know it's the same rabbi Jesus who's calling us today he's extending an invitation to all of us today and it all comes down to our willingness to follow it comes down to more actually probably more than our willingness it all comes down to our commitment to be an apprentice of Jesus you know there was an old song that I'm sure you know this actually I say this often some of you know it some of you don't but I'm pretty sure you'll know this one is that I have decided to follow Jesus I have not going to sing it for you but I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back you know my prayer is today across our church family those watching at home those watching in our satellite groups those watching interstate or those watching from a, from across the globe my prayer is that each one of us will make a choice today a decision today to follow Jesus that you'll make a decision today to work at being with him to becoming like him and ultimately to do what Jesus did let's pray dear Lord Jesus I thank you that you call each of us not based on our talents not based on our skills or our intelligence our accomplishments or our qualifications but you call all of us to be your disciples you say to each one of us come and follow me and I just pray for those watching and listening today I pray that all of us I know we're willing I know where where we understand we're in this fast-flowing river and stream but Lord I pray for all of us that we will choose to swim to the edge of the river that we would choose to come to you to come and exchange our yoke our burdens that are, are so full and heavy and fast to exchange them for your yoke which is easy and your burden that is light and I pray Lord that you help us to do that help us in the weeks ahead to know what things we need to change in order to position ourselves to be with you and receive all that you have for us and I ask this Jesus in your precious name Amen